No matter how exotic human civilization becomes, no matter the developments of life and society, nor the complexities of the machine-human interface, there always comes interludes of lonely power when the course of humankind, the very future of humankind, depends upon the relatively simple actions of single individuals. From the Tleilaxu Godbook. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. Whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. So it's funny here uh, on YouTube, Dre Ross says, This chapter was on the harder side for me to understand and grasp, so it'll be cool to see what y'all say about it. Same. Yeah. All right. First impressions... Of this chapter, Evan, go. Uh, spooky, creepy, weird. <laughs> seeing like the after only being behind the scenes, seeing what the whole religion looks like up close. Yes. Weird. Yes. Yeah, we get a totally new side of Dune today, <clears throat> um, and. In a very different fashion. Is this not classic Dune? Classic Dune is two comp two people having a conversation in a room somewhere. Right. Um, this one is action packed. We get to watch a performance almost yeah. and get uh, Paul's commentary on that performance as it happens, which I think is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, Evan, remember how we used to have like favorite Dune moments and people yeah. like email us in? So, I got an email today. You can, right. still, you can still email us, us at readingdunagmail.com. This is from uh, George Cow, Cowie, George Cowie. He's talking sure. about chap chapter 14, the Duncan hate Chani Paul chapter in Messiah. Yeah. He says, hi, Evan and Caleb, longtime listener, first time caller. I think that the interaction between Paul, Chani, and hate, where Paul probes hate to try to bring out Duncan within him so Chani can see it, and I asked in there, I asked you, Evan, I was like, what, where is the Duncan characteristic here that we're looking for? Uh -huh. George says, I feel probably the strongest characteristic of Duncan is, we see is Duncan's unwavering desire to protect the Atreides and mm. to protect Paul. Yeah. I think probably the reason that Duncan, quote unquote, always immediately disputes Paul's reasoning is out of caution. And that caution is born out of, out of wanting to protect the Atreides. I guess... As you say, we don't learn a lot about Duncan prior to his death in the first book, but we do, do we do get the continual reference to his fierce loyalty, and I really suppose we see that taken forward into the second book. Maybe. And who knows? There's so much to open to interpretation in these books. It's so great to be involved in the discussion that you guys create. Thanks for your work. George in London. George, thanks for writing in. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think you're spot on that we see Dunk Duncan... What we know about Duncan is he wants to protect Paul at all costs. Right. Even though hate's main goal is to destroy him. So Duncan's always, it's going to be that counterforce. It's like the opposite of what you think when you think of like battling the flesh. Hmm. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, he's like. His we flesh want, wants to save Paul and do good things. <laughs> like, and the programming inside him 
is setting him up for destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So let's talk about this quote right up the front. We get a Tailaxu quote. <laughs> In my Kindle, this has 2,338 highlights. Wow. Which it tends to note me. It tells me if something's like big. Um, yeah, we talk about no matter how exotic, how developed humans get, usually everything kind of falls on the crux of a few individual people. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Uh, sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was just, the quote was just kind of a, kind of a downer. I didn't, I didn't highlight it. I didn't underline it. <laughs> it was like, oh man. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Thanks, Frank. Uh, yeah. Way to expose reality to us. I was perfectly fine in my fantasy world. Right. <laughs> All right. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. So last time on Reading Dune Messiah, we know that Paul has Paul knows the conspiracy is out to get him. Yeah. We know a face dancer of the Benny Tlalax has set a trap for him. Yes. Right? The trap was also designed for both Chani and Paul. Right. So... Paul says, no way, Jose, is Chani going to go with me? So he's going to go alone to Othheim's house. So here we go in his trip to Othheim's house. So okay. I wasn't sure that that was, if that was the context or not. Yes. Because I was like, wait, last, last time we, uh, where, where we left off last time, he had to go to Othheim's house. But now he's going to church? I'm confused, <laughs> you know? Like, what yeah. is happening? He's going to Otham's house and accidentally goes to church in the process. Ah, got it. Yeah, we're looking for, ba- ba- what's the guy's name? Banerjee, right? In the last chapter, set up a guide to take him to Otham's house. Yes. And at Otham's house, there's supposed to be this human distrand that only Muhadib can open, so he has to go. Mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. We're about to see the world through Paul's eyes now. So he, he, you know, gets dressed and he leaves the keep. It's the first time we see him leave the keep. He crosses a bridge to leave the keep. The sun's about to set and he adds a limp to his walk. As he, and he walks in the shadows to kind of disguise who he is, where he's going. And he wore a shield, but it wasn't activated yet. Also, he wasn't completely alone. There was a web of security guys around him, but that web was loose, right? So he still looked like he was walking alone. Added a little limp in there, stayed to the shadows as he's walking out of this giant castle into what we know now as as the uh, the government buildings. Right. He's being a he's being a master of disguise. <laughs> master of disguise. Turtle, turtle. So he crosses the bridge, looks back, and see movement on the balcony of his private quarters. This is Chani. Paul remembers the last thing she said to him. She'd called this expedition hunting for sand in the desert. (laughs) Right before he left, Chani had sensed his feelings about this venture, but she had misinterpreted them. She had thought his emotions were those to experience of a parting of a loved one, when really one enters the dangerous unknowns. Reflecting back on the emotions, he thought, heck, what do I know about what's about to happen? 
I, 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 he doesn't know what he's feeling at this point. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't think that's what happened. What happened? Tell me. Okay. Um, me. It's tricky. The wording is like actually really tricky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable telling you about Dune, but here we are. Here we are. Do it. <laughs> um, Johnny, uh, misinterpreted. She like misinterpreted his emotions. She got like a glimpse of what he was feeling. Right. She thought his emotions were the emotions that you experience when you are leaving a loved one and entering a situation that you don't, don't. know. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's the dangerous unknown. Right. Um, but, and then he says, uh, basically, I wish I didn't know what was mm. happening, but I do know. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, she thinks he's sad because he's leaving her, not sure if he's going to die or not. But actually, he's like, I know what's going to happen. You're going to die. <gasps> oh, and, yeah. That's even more sad. Right? Right? Yeah. Yes. Good job. Well done. I may have just spoiled myself. I don't really... <laughs> Well, we've talked about Johnny dying every chapter in this book, so I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah. The moon. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So he crosses the bridge and now enters the like the bureaucracy office building district. There are fixed glow globes, people hurrying everywhere on with their business. And now we get this like dialogue with himself as he's describing what's happening, like about the bureaucracy, this religious bureaucracy that the Quizarot mm-hmm. that was set up. Right? He looks at signs on the doorway. There's speed merchants, wind stills, retorts, prophetic prospects, tests of faith. Can you imagine work, working in the tests of faith department? <laughs> or religious supply, weaponry? I bet you, in the last one here, propagation of the faith. I bet you those guys are real assholes. <laughs> the worst. Like, imagine, Worse like, than the weaponry guys. I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. I mean, if you're going to work in anywhere, the weaponry would be cool. You, like, make, like, sharpened Chris knives or bombs or something. It's like, got guns, and you're smoking a, a spice cigar. <laughs> Everything has spice in it. Not, like, not even wanting to go close to the propagation of faith, guys. Those guys are on a whole other level. They'll just preach to you as soon as you walk in the door. Oh, gosh. Paul thought to himself that... Um, the last one should be more accurately named the propagation of bureaucracy, which I thought was funny. Yeah. As soon as you set something up, people are always uh, working really hard to keep that thing afloat. Right. They'll do everything in their power, including making it something it's not in order to keep it afloat. Right. Nice. A type of religious servant, a religious civil servant had sprung up throughout the universe. And it's usually, ironically enough, a convert. Mm-hmm. I liked this part. Yeah. Paul doesn't usually displace Fremen from key posts, but there are lots of positions to fill. Mm-hmm. Right? These new converts of the Quizarat use melange, usually to show how much they could afford, plus they used it for the geriatric benefits. They stood a part of their influence of the Bene Gesserit, the Guild, or the Lanzarad. The gods they served were routine and records. Machines could not be fashioned in the image of a, hu- of a man's mind, but every action of the bureaucracy betrayed the fact that they preferred machines to men, statistics to individuals, the general view versus the intimate personal touch, which would require imagination and initiative. So the 
Fremen religion is being colonized by the Imperial folks, basically, is what's hap- is what they're saying, you know? Yes. Like, regular old Joe Schmoes who were just like living the bureaucratic Imperial life snuck their way into positions of power and brought in their bureaucracy into that whole like Fremen based religion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I love that because yeah, that's, they're probably converts. Oh, I'll go. Yep, I'm a believer in Muhadib now. Right? Can I have a job? Sounds good. I'm really good at pushing paper and like filling out spreadsheets. Right. I can do that for you, no problem. I also think it's funny. I wrote here, why wouldn't you go work for the government? The benefits are great. <laughs> yeah. You fact. all the spice you want. Yeah. And I mean, I, a lot of people go work for the government because the benefits are great. great. Yeah. You know, healthcare, you get everything set up for you, 401k, pension, you don't have to worry about anything, right? So great, we go yeah, go work for the government. And I just, I love what you said there about the, the, the Imperium just sneaking its little way in. And again, we've been talking about this, how the, the Fremen religion has been, is mutated into something else and it's been bastardized almost. Right. Yeah. All right, so Paul exited the office park because that's where he was. And he, and he heard the bells of the evening right at Aaliyah's Fane, which is, of course, a ginormous building. It's like huge temple. I'm, a, I'm picturing yeah. like a mosque. Okay. Like a big mosque. Like huge. Yeah. Like, a, like the size like, of the Pentagon. Right, right. Like a big, a big, big one. Yeah. yeah. Everything about Aaliyah's Fane was consi- conspired to produce the impression that this was a very old place full of traditions and mystery. But in reality, it's like only 12 years old. Right. It's like Harry Potter world. Yeah. (laughs) There's like, there's snow on the roofs in July. Yeah. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, exactly. Paul entered the crowd because of course there's a giant crowd going to the evening, right? The closer and closer he got, the more crowded it became. A huge mass of people were now waiting here for the goddess. I like to think in this that he wasn't planning on doing this, but like the bells hit at the right time and he got like swept up in the people. Yeah. Or, or he's like, "Mm, it's going to be weird if I don't go. So he just, yeah, everyone is going to this thing. If I don't go, I look suspicious. And my whole thing is, I'm like, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) And he's like limping and he's like, Got crap on his face to like <laughs> pretend he's a normal person. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, has no other choice. He like has to go in there. So he's 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 now going in, and he thinks, and he finds himself thinking about his boyhood days on Castle Caladan, right, and how far he's come in his journey. Yeah. Where he where he had put his foot on the path that led to this journey across this crowded square, so far away from Caladan. But then he questions, had he really put his foot on the path? Or was he placed on the path and said to step? One, one billion percent the, the latter. Like, yeah. He didn't do anything to like make himself this person. Like This all just happened to him. Right? Am I, yeah. Is that a naive? Okay. Cool. No, I'm, I'm, I feel that too, right? He's like, 
but then he's like thinks about it and he's like there's so many different motives and forces and everything is so complex and convoluted that brought him here mm-hmm. that it's kind of overwhelming and he had this heady feeling that he might avoid the fate he could possibly see along this path but could he again he's constantly paul is always trying to see he sees the jihad and says i'm gonna stop it uh doesn't stop it <laughs> yeah thanks. like I'm gonna see this. I'm gonna do something, and doesn't it like happens anyways? Like, does he actually have any control? He could see all reality and time in front of him, but does he have control over it? Dun dun dun! (laughs) The crowd pushes him forward. Paul feels dizzy all of a sudden, as if he's lost his way, lost personal direction over his life, which has got to be a weird feeling, like. You can see every decision in front of you and purposely make a choice like, I chose this. And now he, he's kind of coming to that realization that he's actually, he actually never had that control to begin with. Right. And it doesn't help that his mind works in a way that like everything that ever happens to him is a metaphor for like what's happening in his life. Also true. You know, like, oh, I'm being pushed by the crowd just like I was pushed into this life you know like everything is a dramatic <laughs> the Bene Gesserit did this to me <laughs> right everything is extra dramatic so the crowd flows with him up the steps to the temple portico the voices around him hushed the smell of fear lingered in the air and then you hear the singing the acolytes began their service at the temple in their ritualistic chants They were telling the story of far places visited by the priestess in her holy trance. She rides the sandworm of spice. She guides through all storms into the land of gentle winds. Evan, you want to read the rest? I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. In your most acolyte, chanty voice possible. (laughs) I don't... Okay, I'll do my best. Uh... Though we sleep by the snake's den, she guards our dreaming souls. Shunning the desert heat, she hides us in a cool hollow. Was that, was that pretty good? That's, that's, that's great. I keep going, keep going, page. keep going. <laughs> the gleaming of her white teeth, weird, guides <laughs> us in the night. By the braids of her hair, we are lifted up to heaven. Sweet fragrance, flower-scented, surrounds us in her presence. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So I don't good, know. So I got to take it up. Take it away. <laughs> you and everybody else. After the song, the crowd flowed forward, carrying Paul with them through tall metal doors into a gigantic nave. So this is like huge. Yeah. This, he's in this giant building. This room was huge and dark. In the back of the room, there was an altar. Right behind the altar, there was a piece of black wood encrusted with sand patterns from Fremen mythology. I'm guessing it's just probably pictures of sandworms because mm. it's Fremen mythology. Right. And there, kind of like in front of it, there's these hidden lights that create like a, a rainbow borealis effect that just looks mystical as all get out. Spooky. And in front of that. There are seven rows of chanting acolytes, all dressed in black, but they have all of their faces painted white. And their mouths are all moving in unison together, chanting. 
This is like pure spectacle at this point. You are supposed to feel the presence of, I want to say God, but the presence of time, the presence of the priestess, the goddess herself, who is about to immerse herself in time to save all of us. But really, she's just having an AMA with her fan club. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this chapter should be titled Aaliyah's Twitch Stream. <laughs> Where she just gets really high and answers questions. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't pay money for that. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of creators, that's already their livelihood. So we're not knocking right. you if, you're, if that's you. Paul studies the crowded crowd of pilgrims which surround him. So remember, a lot of these people have like traveled and like been from planet to planet. They've like done the Hajj. Like, like, all right, so let's pretend we're on a planet and all of a sudden like the Fadaikin come and say like, except Muhadibur will kill you. And we're like, ah, okay, except who's this guy? Oh, let yep. me tell you the good news. He has seen all time. And he has decided this is the way we shall go. This is the golden path of life. And if you choose it, you will not die. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I don't want to die. Sounds great. <laughs> and all right, perfect. So they're like, oh, also, here's some spice. Okay, cool. What's this? This is what Muhadib uses to see in the future. Awesome. Oh, wow. This is great. <laughs> I'm totally in. How do we do this? You want to go see the Muhadib? Well, you can't, but you can see his sister. Sounds great. Where do I sign up? (laughs) So you do this thing, you go on all this stuff, and then you finally get to this moment. You've paid lots of money to get here, and you're like, in it. Yeah. And Paul is actually kind of envious of that experience we're probably going through, that awe of just being here in this space. Oh, man. I want to have a exciting moment i want to have a religious experience that's exactly what's happening but he can't because he is the religious experience (laughs) (laughs) right he these people are seeing and hearing truths he could not hear it was as if these pilgrims were gaining something here something mysteriously healing that he could not have paul moved forward going towards the altar he was stopped by a hand on his arm. Bum, bum, bum. Paul turned to me to gaze of an ancient Fremen. Paul knew this man. Razir was his name. He'd been a companion from the old Siech days. In a split second, Paul understood that if Razir meant violence, there was nothing he could do to stop him. The old man pressed closer, one hand under his robe, probably grasping his Chris knife. The old man leans forward, just whispers into his ear, we will go with the others. This is a sign to identify that Razir was going to be Paul's guide. He was going to take him to Oldtime's house, but I can't, I can't do anything right now. We have to sit here and wait till his sister is done with her trip. Razir drew back, and together him and Paul faced the altar and listened to the acolytes chant. Oh, she comes from the east. The sun stands on her back. All things are exposed. In the full glare of light, her eyes miss no thing, neither light nor dark. Silence hits the room. 
The crowd pressed forward a few meters. The air was heavy with breathing and the scent of spice. The acolytes now shout, Shai Haloud's right on rights on clean sand. This just reminded me of Edric and Sightail's conversation mm-hmm. about creation and walking on new sand and how every day or night the wind comes and there's no tracks in the sand. Yeah. I just I picked that up again, that clean sand idea. Um, and that's where Edric says accuses Sightail of thinking like a Fremen. He probably went to one of these things and was like, actually, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) Paul feels his own breath synchronized with the crowds, and they breathed as one. Now, that's got to be an experience, just like 50,000 people breathing together. I think think Paul is just realizing how good of a job they've been doing. Yes. You know, like, oh, wow, that stirred me. Wait, it's all, we we made this up. Like, this is all pretend. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. 100%. The feminine chorus began to, began to, like, sing faintly from the shadows. Aliyah, Aliyah, Aliyah. Is that your, like, your, that's, is that's that your Middle Eastern, like, uh, I, I I don't know what that was. I just, that was great. I thanks. loved it. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do my. I was trying to like reach into my feminine side and pull that out. <laughs> you you reached it. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> All right. So they grew louder and louder till they stop. Silence hits the room again. Then they start to whisper. She steals all storms. Her eyes kill our enemies and torment the unbelievers. Her eyes melt our enemies. Torment our oppressors and pierce all mysteries. She is Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Paul felt sick. (laughs) He asked himself, what are we doing? Aaliyah was a child witch, but she was growing older. And he thought to himself, growing older is to grow more wicked. No, that I underlined. Hey, why? Because all grown-ups are pirates, and we kill pirates. <laughs> I mean, foreshadowing, 100% foreshadowing yeah. Aaliyah here, but he's she was already a weird kid, right? Yeah. If, if she can even count her as being a kid. Um, But now, it's like all, she's been elevated to this level of awe and mysticism. The and, majority of her life, right? Yes. Yeah. And now, like, what what happens when someone's given that much power? Not to mention all the voices in her head. Yeah. Who also are kind of attracted to power. Right. Definitely, definitely starts believing. Dun, dun, dun. Just drinking her own Kool-Aid. Everything about this ceremony ate at Paul's psyche. But he stood immersed. The immensity of the universe outside this temple flooded his awareness. And he's like, we are just right here. There are like thousands of planets with thousands of people out there. This is not the center of the universe, right? But yet, how could one man in one ritual just hope to knit the immensity of everything into all men? Like He's like, how can one religion really do all of this? One belief system really unite everybody. Hmm. He's like, he's seeing this happening, knowing he's, pe- he's like 
he's perpetrated it. Mm-hmm. Like he is the main cause and also saying how wrong he is at the exact same time. Yeah. Which makes me think of what Sidetail's whole thing is, is uh, like the Quizard Hatterat has, has become one thing and he'd rather die than become another thing. Right. I'd like to give the hypothesis here that he has already turned into something he doesn't want to be. Mm. Which is something Sidetail has not thought of yet. Right. Yeah. He, I, it's, he's already missed the conversation. Like, Paul's already hates what he's become. Yeah. Sorry, I, that's that. Yes, I don't, I don't, I can't add to that, but that's like really good juice. That makes a lot of sense. That just came to me right now. Wow. It's not in my notes. I'm just thinking about it. Paul shudders. Okay, so he has that thought. And on the exact opposite end of like the teeter totter he's on, he realized that the universe opposed him at every step. Yeah. It eludes his grasp. It conceived countless disguises to delude him. The universe would never agree with any shape he gave it. Same, Paul. <laughs> as much <laughs> as like he wants to do the thing, it will, the universe will always use him without ever granting him what he wants. Right. Yeah, that's just awful. All right. Now we get his sister. She pops up. She emerged from the darkness from behind the shimmering rainbows, which I imagine is just already a trippy sight as is. And if you imagine if like you're a a convert, right? You've been taking a small amount of spice, but now you're on Arrakis. You're definitely hitting hitting the spice coffee a little hard. Yeah. And you're seeing Aaliyah, the goddess, emerge from rainbows? Oh crap. Yeah. She wore a yellow-robed, trimmed in Atreides green. So yellow is sunlight. We also know that yellow also means danger and something bad is going to happen. Right. And green means death, which produces life. I can kind of see it. All right, cool. <laughs> Atreides green. Now Atreides green means death on all the thousand planets and also green and like growing things. Paul experienced a sudden surprising thought that Aaliyah had emerged here just for him and him alone, which I'm sure everyone was also thinking that. Right. It's them doing a good job again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their performance is just like, they've nailed, they've done this a thousand times. It's like in like Wicked when Defying Gravity happens and like she goes up and you're like, holy cow. (laughs) They've done that a million times before, but for you experiencing it, it's incredible. Right. He stared across the mob in the temple at his sister. He knew the rituals and he knew the roots of them, but he had never stood here with the pilgrims watching her perform through their eyes. Paul saw that Aaliyah, his sister, partook in the universe which opposed him. What do you think that means? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. We were just talking about how he wants to... The universe is set on this path, and he doesn't want to go down that path, but his sister kind of fits in line exactly. Right, right. She seems to be very comfortable in this world that Paul... Oh, I lost you for a little bit. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey, Mm -hmm. good to see you again. 
Do you hear what I said? No, what do you say? She seems to be very comfortable in this world that he's like despises, you know? Mm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. This yeah. is her this is her job. She probably doesn't even like it. All right. So now Aaliyah was brought a golden chalice by the acolytes. She raised the chalice up. What's in the chalice, Evan? What's in this uh, holy the, grail the, cup? The the water of life. Yeah. yeah. The unaltered melange, right? It would kill anybody who drinks it, but not her. Looking at the chalice, Aaliyah spoke. In the beginning, we were empty. And this is a cool, like, call and response thing. The crowd responds, ignorant of all things. We did not know the power that abides in every place. And in every time. Aaliyah raised up the chalice even more. Here is the power. It brings us joy. Paul thought to himself, and it brings distress. (laughs) Aaliyah. It awakens the soul. It dispels all doubts. In worlds, we perish. In the power, we survive. Aaliyah then takes the chalice, puts it to her lips, and drinks. The crowd is silent. Paul found himself holding his breath. Will she die? No. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But he remembers what she's going through. He's done this. Right. He re-experiences in this moment, awakening into a timelessness where all things were possible. He knew Aaliyah's experience, yet he didn't. He saw now that he did not really know it. Aaliyah trembles. She sinks. She sinks to her knees. Paul exhales, <gasps> along with all other pilgrims. Aaliyah sways back and forth, very, very high on the spice. Paul felt that some transcendental presence spoke to him. Look, see there, see what you have ignored. Okay, I want to pause right there because um, every time Paul hears a voice in his head, it's it's usually a terrible purpose. Right. Right? So this, he feels a transcendental presence from outside of him or inside of him, terrible purpose, speak, look, see there, see what you've ignored. I think it was interesting. Yes. In that instant, he thought he looked through his eyes that he saw an imaginary and rhythm in this place that no artist or poet could reproduce. It was vital and beautiful, a glaring light that exposed all power and gluttony, even his own. It's almost like he's the voice inside him is telling him, like, look around you mm-hmm. to the power that you've created, look this religion. This look at all this that was built. Aaliyah spoke in a booming voice that echoed across the nave. Luminous night, nothing hides in such a night. What a rare light is this darkness. You cannot fix your gaze upon it. Sense cannot record it. No words describe it. She lowered her voice. The abyss remains. It is pregnant with all things yet to be. What gentle violence. Which is just creepy. I don't yeah. know what... That's just high talk. That's like high religious talk. <laughs> She's tripping right now. Paul felt as if he was waiting for some subtle private sign from his sister. Anything. 
word, action, something. Elliot continues. There will be sadness. I remind you that all things are but a beginning, forever beginning. Worlds waiting to be conquered. Some, within the sound of my voice, will attain exalted destinies. You will sneer at the past. Forget what I tell you now. Within all differences, there is unity. Aaliyah lowered her head. And Paul felt his whole body go hollow. Like, nothing she said hit home. It was all fluff. Yeah. And Paul sensed restlessness in the crowd around him. Abruptly, this is the AMA time, a woman cried out a wordless noise of anguish. (laughs) Or like the goats from Thor. (laughs) Aaliyah lifted her head. Who summons me? The woman cried out, I do, I do. My son was killed. Is he gone? Aaliyah then says something mystical, like everything returns, but you may not recognize it. Clearly, the woman has no idea what she's talking about. Right. Aaliyah says that if this woman is a Fremen, what do we really need except from our dead except their water? Another man speaks up. Aaliyah just quips back. A woman near Paul mutters, She's in a fierce mood tonight. <laughs> Have you ever seen her this angry? Amal, a man right in front of Paul, calls out, Aaliyah, tell these businessmen and faint hearts how long your brother will rule. Aaliyah just snarled at the man, telling him to look around the corner himself. It's because of her brother, who rides the worm of chaos, that this man has a roof and water. With that, she whirls around and exits through the shimmering ribbons of light. And she's gone. This was like the worst press conference. <laughs> you know? She, this did nothing went according to planned. People like, were just asking her questions. She's like, shut up. You're stupid. Stupid. Don't ask these stupid things. You too, stupid. <laughs> and she's lit while doing it. He's yeah. like, gone. Immediately, the acolytes took up the closing chant, but all their rhythm was off because everyone was caught off guard of how abruptly everything ended. Uh, uh, um, uh. <laughs> Paul felt a restless, dissatisfied nature from the crowd around him. Everyone's just, oh, that was it? Bummer. Sorry, I just pictured one of the acolytes searching through his pockets for a pitch pipe. <laughs> the chant started. Oh, okay, well, it's here somewhere. Where'd I put it? <laughs> The old Fremen next to Paul tugged on his sleeve, nodding towards the exit. The crowd was also beginning to push that direction. Paul allowed himself to be pressed with them, guided by the old Fremen. There was this meaning in him that his body had become some manifestation of power he could no longer control. Hmm. Right? It's that feeling. He's a non-being. At his core of the non-being, he was still there allowing himself to be led through the streets of the city, following a track so familiar in his vision, so familiar from his visions that it froze his heart with grief. So there it is again. He's seen all this happen, and yet it's so close, there's nothing he can do about it. He just has to follow it. Yep. Life is just happening to him at this point, but also it raises the question, Hasn't life just been happening to him this whole time? 
Right, exactly. Down from like even the flight in the storm. Right. Like everything led up to that. Like all of his crazy events, even Jameis. Right. Right, where he could have died. Everything's just been happening to him. And he's just like, I'm here for it, I guess. All right. What else is he going to do? Good question. Very good question. In the last line here, Paul says, he thought, he, Paul thinks to himself, I should know what Aaliyah saw. I've seen it enough times myself. And she doesn't cry out against it. She saw the alternatives too. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so my question to you mm-hmm. is, what do you think she saw? What do you think he's seen? And obviously he pissed her off seeing it. Gosh. I mean, you don't have to have an answer because I don't know if I have an answer. Right, I don't know. I mean, the thing the thing that I'm that I got from that last line there was like um kind of like she saw better than he did. Mm. And that's what he's picking up on, you know? She's like he's like I've seen it. I sh- I should know what she saw. I've seen it. I've seen the future enough times. But she's not upset about it. She probably saw more than I have seen in the same moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the vibe that I got. So I don't even know that it's about what she actually saw. But the fact that she saw more than he did. There's a lot of doubt happening in Paul's mind. And I, I think you're, he's like, his Quidrock has knack, Quidrock has rack. Quizrock Hatterackness is starting to fail. He's like, he's over yeah. it. He's yeah. over it. And it's just, uh, yeah, he's now questioning more and more. It's funny here. Uh, Alex on YouTube says, I have no answer for that question, and I've read this book twice. <laughs> so, yeah, if you have answers, you can always email us at readingdune, gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readingdune. Oh, gosh. You'll get a kick out of this, Evan. Uh, I think I posted it in Discord. If you're not in Discord, go find us on Discord. Yeah. We do after chats after this. Yeah. But um, we found out that Dune Part 2 is is currently being filmed. Uh-huh. They're currently filming it. And it says Part 2. And right underneath it says, Long Live the Fighters. Which is cool, right? That's what they say on the worm. Like, Muhadib, Muhadib. Yeah. Right? It's that Long Live the Fighters thing. And um, I think it was Greg Frazier... He he posted that and then he like quote retweeted it and it said, "Oh yeah, we are." And then somebody underneath says, "Please tell me this is a reference to Reading Dune." And <laughs> it got so much so much traction. I was like, "Oh, I we feel seen. This was great. Thank you so much." I just uh sounds great. Yeah, plug yeah. uh uh Dune Newsnet if you uh for all that latest information. We won't we won't have all that, but they will. Yeah. They, that's they know their all job. the stuff. They know all the stuff. We get our info from them they're smart yeah for sure also you can check us readingdune.com for for merch and hanging out and thank you for everyone supporting us on patreon we got a new patreon subscriber today philippe thank you very much we could not do the show without you so thank you very much and as always please stay spicy my friends yeah